Well, it'd be great if you could have your Bibles open at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 23. Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we pray this in the name of our rock and our redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Any Bob Dylan fans in the congregation? You might not want to admit to that, but um, if you are, you'll remember that in the late 70s, way before I was born, he released a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. Let me sing it to you. I'm only kidding. (laughs) That'd be a terrible experience for you and for me. Let me read it to you. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve someday. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. You may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you are going to have to serve somebody. The chorus of Dylan's song captures our passage perfectly. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 23, tells us all of us have to serve someone. And Paul's call for us who are Christians tonight is to recognize that we have been called to serve God, to be slaves of God, slaves of obedience, slaves of righteousness. In the first half, as I said, Paul's uh, argument was, remember who you are, you're united to Christ. That means you you don't go on sinning. Well, in the second half of Romans chapter 6, Paul's argument is now going to be, whose are you? Are you a slave of God? Or are you a slave of sin? You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, as we come to this passage, I just should say by way of introduction, maybe one of the loaded terms that stands out is that term slave, slavery. For many of us living in the 21st century, the the word slavery brings to mind, uh, conjures up these horrifying and terrible realities that took place in the 17th, 18th, and 19th century with the transatlantic slave trade. Cotton farms and fields in the deep American South, ships going all across the world. But when we think of slavery in that context, it's often associated with the realities of race, oppression, and brutality. But not so in the first century. Not so in the ancient world. Slavery was nothing like that. Slavery had nothing to do with race. One in three people who lived in the city of Rome in the time of Paul was a slave. In fact, one in two people had either been a slave or were a slave at that time. 
Slavery was the norm. It was part of everyday life. And if we're going to appreciate this, Paul says in verse 19, you can just look at it, he's using slavery as an illustration, not because it's perfect, because it makes his point. He says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Now, I should say one thing about slavery. Don't ever think of being a slave in the ancient world as akin to being an employee. World of a difference. Employees have the option if they're going to do the services they've been asked to do. Whereas if you were a slave, if your master said, jump, you say how high, you do it. Now this term, it may not be perfect, but it's going to capture wonderfully the the reality of our lives as human beings. As we work our way through these verses this evening, these eight verses, I've got three points. There are two masters. Point number one. There are two types of service. Point number two. And there are two types of reward. Point number three. So there are two masters. Question. Do you know that you serve one of two masters? Read verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. For Paul, all of humanity can either serve one of two masters. Either you serve sin, you're a slave of sin, or you're a slave of obedience. Now, that expression, slave of obedience, it's slightly strange, isn't it? Slave of obedience. But we've got to understand that term in the context of Paul's letter as a whole. He bookends his message by saying he preaches a gospel that results in the obedience of faith. So anyone who hears the gospel comes to believe the gospel. The result is that they will obey the gospel. They'll obey Christ. So to be slaves of obedience really just means to be slaves of God. Now, when Paul sets up such a stark contrast, like such a binary option, you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of obedience, there can be a part in all of us that says, but Paul, surely there's a third way. Surely there's a middle way. Like, I'm not a slave of anyone. You know the the old poet? You know, I'm the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Paul, Paul, I'm not a slave of anyone. I'm a slave of myself, but not, not, not God or sin. Here's the thing. If you think that you are a slave of, your, of no one, you're just serving yourself, you need to know that that is by definition sin. When you put self at the center of the universe, it is by definition sin. You're usurping the place of God and you're saying you're in the place of God. And when you're a servant of self, you need to understand you're really a slave of sin. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. You're going to have to serve somebody. Now here's a question. How do you know who you're serving? How do you know who you're a slave to? 
Well, what Paul does next is brilliant. It would have made perfect sense in the context. If you wanted to know who a slave was serving, you would go to the slave marketplace. You'd take the slave and you would wait. And as soon as their master barked an order, the one to whom they obeyed was their master. You show yourself to be a slave of whoever you obey. And so here's my question for you and for me. Who is it that you obey? Whose voice calls and you go running? Is it sin? Or is it God? I know there's some of us here tonight, right? We're, we, we are genuine Christians. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we've sang tonight, it is our heart's desire. We want to live for him. And there are some times in our Christian lives where we, we succumb to temptation and we sin. But generally speaking, the main disposition of our life is we want to walk in the paths of righteousness. We want to make good in what we sang in Psalm 119. We want to follow the commands of the Lord. We want to do what the word of God demands. But I suspect there will be others of us here and we think we're Christians. We might profess to be Christians, but the reality is, if you examine your life, the voice that you obey all of the time, the voice that you're, you, you, it calls and you respond to is the voice of sin. I spoke to someone very recently, and they, they made out to me they were a Christian, and then they just started to explain to me the pattern and the, the way of their life. And every single thing they did, desired, wanted, none of it, none of it was in alignment with the word of God. And so let me ask all of us tonight, whose slave are you? Now, Paul understands that one of the marvels for those of us who are Christians is that we are no longer slaves of sin. That was the whole point in the early chapters, remember? We died with Christ. We're no longer under the dominion of Christ. We're no longer under its power and mastery. Just look at how Paul bursts into praise in verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Paul here says, listen, here's the good news. If you are a Christian, you are no longer slaves of sin. You are no longer under the dominion of sin. Thanks be to God. And do you know what transformed you? Do you know what changed you? You heard the gospel of God. You heard the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. You responded with this work of the Spirit's regeneration, with the gift of faith, and you responded by trusting in him and committed from the heart, you started to serve and obey the Lord. Your allegiance changed from serving sin to serving God. And so if you're here tonight, I want to really encourage you. The way you know you're a Christian is that you responded to the glorious gospel. You're now united to Christ. You're now dead to sin and alive to God. Remember who you are, you are in Christ. Remember whose you are, you are slaves of obedience.
So that's the first point. You either serve God or sin. But secondly, you either engage in one or two types of service. Read verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once, just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification, or that word could also be translated holiness. There are two masters, God and sin, and unsurprisingly, these two different masters require two different types of service. When your master is sin, the service he requires of you, demands of you, well, it's impurity and it's lawlessness. You know, there isn't a day that goes by, you, you turn on your news or you pick up a newspaper and you see plastered everywhere that those who are slaves of sin, they just keep on going in to sin deeper and deeper. If you're a slave to sin, sin will take you places you never imagined going, you never dreamed of. Because that's what sin does. And, and here we're all sitting tonight, you know, many of us well-dressed, many of us comfortable. But don't think that just because perhaps you're, you're comfortable in life that you cannot be an addict of sin. You know, sometimes for people it's easy to see just how much they're slaves of sin. You know, you, you see the person who's addicted to drugs, who's poor in the street, and their life is a mess. But you can sit in a church like this, and you can be a slave to sin and nobody really knows it or sees it. What you watch on your computer, you're addicted and you can't stop. What you put into your body, you're addicted and you can't stop. Slaves to sin, it will require a type of service. And Paul says that serviceness, it's lawlessness, it's impurity. And the thing about it is that it leads to more and more lawlessness. And so what's the alternative? Well, present your members as slaves to righteousness because this leads to holiness. That the service that those who are slaves of God are called to, it's, it's a service of obedience to righteousness. And the amazing thing of this service is that it makes us more like Jesus Christ. One of the, the incredible things is that when you are in Christ and when you're a slave of Christ is that you become more and more like him. The direction of travel for your life is you start to desire the things that he desires. You do the things that he wants you to do because he's at work in you by his Holy Spirit. That's what Christ, uh, union with Christ is. Christ in us, the hope of glory, us in Christ. And here Paul says, if you are a slave of righteousness, present your members as slaves of righteousness. That is every day, wake up and know when he calls, when he commands, you serve. You do as he asks. That's a call of the Christian. Now, Paul recognized in verse 18, 19 that see this illustration he's using? It's not perfect. 
It, it doesn't capture the whole story. Here's, here's the thing about the, the slave master that is sin. It's cruel. Sin is really, really cruel. He will deceive you. He will coerce you. He will punish you. He will turn you against people you love. He will destroy relationships. He will do enormous harm. But here's the thing about God. He's gracious. He's good. All that he asks us to do is blessed and it's the best. He never forces us or coerces us. Now, he, he equips us. He empowers us. He invites us. But it's nothing like the slave master that is sin. So once again, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you've got to serve somebody. And if you're a Christian tonight, the call is present yourselves to the Lord. Well, we've seen that we serve two masters. We've seen that there are two masters. We've seen that there are two types of service. Thirdly and finally, notice that there are two types of reward. Look at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, one of the biggest deceptions of 21st century Western culture is that we can be free. We can be, we're free to choose who we are. We're free to do what we want to do. We're not free. We're all in bondage, either to sin or truly even as a Christian, we're in bondage to the will of God. But what Paul does say here is interesting. He says there is a form of freedom for the one who is enslaved to sin. And he says, you are free in regard to righteousness. Meaning, you are free from the obligation to do the right thing. When you're a slave to sin, you are free from the obligation to do the right thing. And that means that you are often doing the wrong thing and you can't stop it. You are slaves. Now, now, Paul's this pastor and he knows, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So he, it's like he invites us now and he says, like, now think back to that time before you were in Christ, when you were a slave of sin, think back and reflect, what fruit did it produce in your life? What, what, what profit was it? What benefit did it give? Look at verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now Ashamed. He kind of tells us the answer. When you're a slave of sin, it heaps on you shame. Some of you, I know, you've got vivid imaginations. And if I was to say, you know, just think back to your life before Christ, I'm sure that you can remember some of the terrible things you've done. You can't forget them. They're stained on your memory. I know that all of us have got things in our lives, not that just stay in our memories, but there's things that we keep on coming back and they haunt us. That's the fruit of wrongdoing. That's the fruit of being a slave to sin. It traumatizes you. It, it fills you. It haunts you. It gives you shame. 
and pain. It destroys you. But Paul's punchline is the, the end of these things is death. All those things that make you feel so deeply uncomfortable, their end is death. Meaning eternal separation. Now here's the question. What is the benefit? What is the fruit of being a slave of God? Look at verse 22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to holiness and its end, eternal life. If you're a slave of righteousness, if you're a slave of God, you want to know the fruit that is manifest in your life, you'll never regret praying. You'll never regret going to church and worshiping the living God. You'll never regret saying no to temptation. You'll never regret not taking a second look. You'll never regret tell, not telling a lie. Never ever will you regret these things. But these things will bear fruit in your life. They'll make you more like Jesus and their end is you enjoying eternal life. Sin takes us down to death. Being slaves of righteousness takes us up to glory. Now, I know that some of you are hearing what I'm saying and you're thinking, but Andy, it sounds like what you're saying here in the second point is you're contradicting the gospel. Because you're saying if you are slaves of righteousness, it leads to holiness and you get eternal life. Isn't that work salvation? Don't worry, Paul's the master theologian. And so here's his crescendo. Here's his climax. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is eternal... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me be really clear, as Paul is really clear and emphatic here, our righteous deeds do not earn us eternal life. In fact, here, here's the wonder of the gospel. The only reason we do righteous deeds is because of his grace, because of his saving grace, because of his saving grace of faith and repentance. The only way we do the things that God loves us to do is because he's regenerated us by his Holy Spirit. He has effectually called us. He's made us his own. He's given, a new, given us a new heart with new desires and new affections. But what I want you to see here is, Paul again using this whole idea of slavery, when you work for the slave master that is sin, the wages you are paid is death. But when God is your slave master, there are no wages. There's a gift. Something you didn't earn. Something you didn't merit. Something you're freely given. And the free gift of God is eternal life. And this is the glory of the Christian gospel. We're given this gift of salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're saved in Christ. We're sanctified in Christ. And we'll go one day to be with Christ forevermore. And we did nothing. 
but he did everything. Now, as we wrap this up, can I just say a few things? As you're going to this week, the greatest danger you face is you forget who you are. And you forget whose you are. And when you forget who you are, you'll do things that you, are, that you ought not to do. And you'll leave things undone that you ought to do. Because when you're Christ and when you're in Christ, you've got to remember that you're dead to sin and you're alive to God. But the other thing you've got to remember is whose you are. You are his slave. And so when he calls, when he commands, you've got to do what he asks. It's really fascinating that throughout Romans chapter 6, the repeated refrain has been, do you not know? Do you not know who you are? Do you not know whose you are? You need to know this. You need to know this as you serve our Lord Christ. One of the really sad things that keeps on happening is among my peer group, I've got many brothers in the Lord or brothers that I thought were in the Lord. And sadly, some of them, there's been some spectacular failure, sin, and apostatizing. And when you kind of do a check and examine where did it all start going wrong where where, where 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 was there something that just didn't help them I think it's because they forgot who they were in Christ and I think it's because they did not present themselves as slaves of Christ but rather when the voice of sin called they obeyed and when you're a slave of sin, it'll take you places you never thought you would ever go. And so here, this call, the call of the gospel is the gospel that you've believed. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel that's a free gift. You could not earn it. But you and I need to know it is the fuel for our obedience. So do not forget this week who you are or whose you are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we who were once foolish, we who once disobeyed you, once enslaved by all pleasures and all passions that this world can afford, that you're the God who in loving kindness made known to us the grace of God and we were purchased by your glorious salvation. Lord, thank you that even tonight you are renewing us by your spirit, you're cleansing our hearts. And we pray that as we go from here tonight, having been reminded who we are and whose we are, we would go into this week ready, willing to obey you and to serve you, to give you our all, because in your Son you've given us your all. Oh, hear us as we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.